Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God rules over all and overrules all. God over... What do we know to be true throughout Scripture? God directs the, the hearts of rulers like the water going downstream. Oh no. God put this in her heart. This is the providence of God. This is the sovereignty of God working in the affairs of man to bring about his sovereign end. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Esther. Many events in history can leave us speculating over why it is they happened in the first place. From the actions of an individual to an entire nation, we sometimes wonder what inspired them. In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches us about a factor we often overlook when it comes to significant events in history, the sovereign hand of God. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. and Esther chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Let's see, I want to give you kind of an introduction, sort of a snapshot of what we're in store for. I know that you know kind of uh, the story of uh, Esther and her cousin Mordechai and, of course, the uh, the demon-possessed Haman. And we're going to be introduced to a lot of these uh, people as we get into it. But Esther is actually a record of what happened to those who remained in Persian captivity. So we're in Ezra and Nehemiah, and it was about those who returned to Jerusalem under uh, Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah as well. But uh, remember, the majority of the uh, Jews stayed in Persian captivity. It was just a small percentage of the Israelites that actually returned to Jerusalem and uh, rebuilt first the wall uh, under Nehemiah and then uh, the uh, temple. Actually, it's the other way around. I was kind of dyslexic, I think. Um, there's 10 chapters in the book of Esther, and I was thinking about this today earlier, that I know there's been movies made of Esther. I've seen a couple of them. You know, some of them are okay. But I got to say that Hollywood is missing the boat when it comes to a motion picture, true to the biblical account, about what happened with Esther uh, there in uh, Persia. It is, to me, one of the most powerful stories of all time. And uh, it's chiefly about Esther, who is uh, a very beautiful Hebrew woman, and uh, how God, in his divine providence, uh, raised her up as a deliverer of God's people. It's interesting because the name Esther means Venus. It's the morning star. And the name, as is always the case in Scripture, the name is the nature. And this is true in the sense that Esther was and became this shining light 
in a dark period in Israel's history. I thought this was interesting. One commentator noted, Venus, the morning star, sheds its light after all the other stars have ceased to shine and while the sun still delays to rise. So this particular morning star is the only thing that is really shining in between. So he says, thus the deeds of Queen Esther cast a ray of light forward into Israel's history from a dark time, and surely she is a light for such a time as this, as it were. Now, the events that are recorded in the book of Esther, it's it's not chronological when you go through the Bible as we do. It's not uh, in order. Actually, Esther took place between Ezra chapter 6 and chapter 7. So this is actually happening uh, sort of simultaneous with what is recorded for us in the book of Ezra. Uh, like the 11 books before it, Esther is a historical book, and it's the 12th and last of the historical books. And if you don't mind, I think this would probably be a good time since we're finishing the historic books to uh, revisit how all 39 books of the Old Testament are arranged in our Bibles. The first five books are known as the Pentateuch. Pent is where we get uh, words like pentagram or pentagon. It's it's actually meaning five, and that's uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, uh, also known as the uh, books of Moses. The second section are the historical books, which we're going to finish when we finish uh, Esther. It encompasses 12 books, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and then the last of the historic books is Esther. After Esther, this third division are what are known as the poetic books, consists of five books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. I can't wait. If we're still here and we haven't been raptured, I can't wait to get to Psalms and Proverbs. I mean, these are, ah, anyway, Ecclesiastes 2, Song of Solomon, we're going to have to, it's going to be rated R, so uh, we won't allow anyone 17 or under uh, in, you're looking at me like that, I'm, I'm serious, it's a, it's a very interesting book, which makes young people want to read it, I guess, but uh, the fourth and final division are known as the prophetic books, and uh, there's a total of 17 of them, and they're divided into major prophets and minor prophets. The major prophets are five of the 17. They include Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And then the last of the prophetic books are the minor prophets, and there's 12 of them. And they are Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, and Zechariah, and the last book is Malachi. Uh, one more thing before we uh, jump in. Uh, very interesting about and unique to the book of Esther. Uh, very peculiar. In the entire book of Esther, you will not find one time the word Lord or God mentioned throughout the entire book. And it's the only book of all 66 books of the Bible uh, where this is the case. One has suggested that the book of Solomon, Song of Solomon uh, also doesn't, but depending on the translation, it actually uh, does mention God. Now, 
Uh, as you might imagine, <laughs> speculation as to why this is amongst commentators abounds, but uh, I have a thought as to why it is, and that is that the absence of the name or the word God or Lord speaks to how it is that God works in our lives even when it seems that he's silent in our lives. And I want to kind of explain that this way. The book of Esther can be summed up with two words. Absent the name of God, uh, two words about God, and that's his sovereignty and his providence. And I want to explain a little bit about sovereignty and providence because they're replete throughout this book, even though the direct mention of God is not. Now, the providence and the sovereignty of God is God working behind the scenes in the natural as opposed to God intervening or doing a miracle, which is God doing it in the supernatural. What we're going to see in the book of Esther is God just orchestrating everything in the natural. He's orchestrating all of the circumstances in the natural, and everything is, for lack of a better word, choreographed perfectly according to God's sovereignty. And we're certainly going to see that tonight here as we uh, do chapter 1. So verse 1, now, came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus. This was the Ahasuerus who reigned over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. You just need to look at a map and see how vast that is. In those days, verse 2, when King Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the citadel, that in the third year of his reign, he made a feast for all his officials and servants, the powers of Persia and Medea, the nobles and the princes of the provinces being before him, when he showed, verse 4, the riches of his glorious kingdom and the splendor of, pardon me, his excellent majesty for many days, get this, 180 days in all. That's a lot of splendor. Uh, that's six months. Uh, that's quite a feast, too. That's my kind of feast, <laughs> one that lasts for six months. That's a sabbatical feast. But um, he takes this time to display, pardon me, all the riches of his kingdom, all the splendor of his majesty, and the question has to be asked, why? And the reason he did this, it's believed, is because he wanted to garner the leader's support to wage war against Greece. And the reason being is that Persia had suffered defeat at the hands of Greece, and his father, King Darius, never avenged Persia before he died. History tells us that this was an ill-fated and uh, doomed uh, attack, and they would suffer uh, great loss uh, as a result. Verse 5, and when these days were completed, the king made a feast lasting seven days for all the people who were present in Shushan the citadel, from great to small in the court of the garden of the king's palace. 
There were white and blue linen curtains fastened with cords of fine linen and purple on silver rods and marble pillars. And the couches were of gold and silver. A lot of detail here just to kind of give you an idea of just how majestic this was. It was on a mosaic pavement of alabaster, turquoise, and white and black marble. And they served drinks in golden vessels, each vessel being different from the other, with royal wine in abundance, according to the generosity of the king, in accordance, verse 8, with the law. Interesting. The drinking was not compulsory, for so the king had ordered all the officers of his household that they should do according to each man's pleasure. Then verse 9 tells us, Queen Vashti also made a feast for the women in the royal palace, which belonged to King Ahasuerus. Now this is in a separate location, as was the uh, custom of the day. So here we're told about this second feast, lasts for seven days. This is for the citizens of the capital city of Shushan. And right now, as we're uh, getting into this, the stage is being set. Uh, you might say that God is up to something, and boy is he, as we're about to see. Now, when it talks about this compulsory, uh, you know, drinking, what that basically meant was, as the tradition was, that every time they had a round or they had a toast, you were required to drink. That, <laughs> so this was not the case on this and during this seven-day feast. And this is a detail which at first glance you're looking at and thinking, why do we need to know this? Oh, very, very interesting reason. They could just drink as much as they wanted, whenever they wanted, and they're about to get very, very intoxicated. So uh, this again is setting the stage for what's about to happen. Now, verse 10. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bistha, Harbana, Bigtha, Abagtha, uh, forgive my pronunciation on these names, Zathar and Karkas, seven eunuchs, who served in the presence of King Ahasuerus, to bring Queen Vashti before the king, wearing her royal crown, and here's why in order to show her beauty to the people and the officials, for she was beautiful to behold. Can you just kind of picture this scene here? I mean, we're, we're told this, this goes down on the seventh day. That means they are really, really... <laughs> when it says the king was married with, with wine, that's the new King James... Uh, translations way of saying he was really drunk and so were his men with him. It's been seven days of just drinking and feasting and can you just kind of imagine hey you get a group of guys together with that much alcohol for that long of a period of time. I don't speak from experience I'm just uh, you know <laughs> actually I am from before I came to Christ but uh, why did I go there but anyway had a little flashback. Just give me a second. Okay, I'm back with you. Can you imagine the kind of conversations that are going around the room? And here's the king. You know, they're very drunk, and they're, he's like, hey. I mean, this is full-on pride. 
And he wants to bring his very beautiful wife, the queen, to kind of show her off before all of these men. Now, verse 12, and this is where things get very interesting. (laughs) But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command brought by his eunuchs. Therefore, the king was furious and his anger burned within him. All right, now, I want to point out a couple of things here, the first of which is, and you see it there on the screen, the first mistake the king made was to make a decision like this, as foolish as it was while being under the influence. And is that not when foolish decisions are made? Decisions that would not have otherwise been made were someone not under the influence. Things are about to take a horrible uh, turn for the worse. Can you imagine how embarrassing and humiliating this would have been to the king? Imagine how uncomfortable it would have been when those eunuchs come back and tell the king, uh, hey, king, I'm so sorry. Uh, the queen does not want to come and uh, obey your command. How uncomfortable would it be? I don't care how drunk they are. They're like, oh my goodness. What's he going to do? This, by the way, was punishable by death. And oh, by the way, she knows that. Which begs another question. And here again, we have much in the way of speculation as to why it is that she would defy the king knowing that doing so carries with it the death penalty. Now, some believe that she refused because this went against Persian protocol. Others suggest that what he wanted her to do when he, when she got there was inappropriate. And so she refused not wanting to do that. Uh, one commentator even suggests that uh, she may have been pregnant at the time with the king's uh, son, which would explain why she was not just put to death on the spot, which is exactly what... Keep in mind now, as we're going to see it again, it's another very interesting detail uh, as we get later into the book, uh, when, when Esther says, and calls for a fast, because she's going to approach the king uninvited. And it had been a while before he had summoned her. And so she tells Mordecai and all the Jews, we need to pray and fast. And that's when she says, if I perish, I perish. What did she mean by that? Well, what she meant by that was, I'm going to go into the presence of the king uninvited. And if he doesn't put out his scepter, I perish. I'm dead. That's how serious this was. Now, this is kind of on the other end of it. So here, the king does summons her, and she refuses to come. Well, that's punishable by death, too. So we still have an unanswered question here. Why is it that knowing full well that this could be punishable by death, why does she refuse? Here's why she refused. God put it in her heart to refuse. Again, this is the providence of God. This is the sovereignty of God. I've heard it said this way. I love this. I love this. I love this. God 
rules over all and overrules all. God over, what do we know to be true throughout scripture? God directs the, the hearts of rulers like the water going downstream. Oh no. <laughs> God put this in her heart. This is the providence of God. This is the sovereignty of God working in the affairs of man to bring about his sovereign end. And if there was ever a case of God doing that, it is with Esther. And this had to happen in order for Esther to ever even come on the scene. This is, again, God orchestrating everything behind the scenes. And he's choreographing every step in his sovereignty. I've heard it said this way, too. God not only directs our steps, he directs our stops. And I really believe that God stopped her from going. Because as we're about to see, she's going to get deposed in order that God can then raise up Esther for such a time as this. Now, verse 13. And the king said to the wise men who understood the times, for this was the king's manner toward all who knew law and justice, those closest to him being Karshena, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Mares, Marsena, and Memukan, the seven princes of Persia and Medea, who had access to the king's presence and who ranked highest in the kingdom. So here's the question now that uh, he asks. Verse 15, what shall we do to Queen Vashti according to the law? because she did not obey the command of King Ahasuerus brought to her by the eunuchs. So I don't know (laughs) if it's possible to overstate how serious of a problem this is now for the king and what's at stake. And (laughs) not just for the queen, but how about all of these men's wives? You know what they're thinking. In fact, that's what we're about to read here as we get towards the end of the chapter. Uh, but he has just been completely humiliated before all the subjects under his command. And remember now what the reason is for these feasts. He's wanting to garner support to wage war. Now, you've got a king who has a wife, the queen, who is not submitted to his authority? What about these men now who are going to be submitted to his authority and when they are about to go into battle? Thanks for tuning in to Pastor J.D.'s teaching in the book of Esther today. Here at In Spirit and Truth, we strive to bring you God's Word in a way that blesses your life and challenges you to grow closer to your Creator. The book of Esther is one that encourages a deep faith, especially when the world seems to be falling apart around you. Esther didn't crumble under extreme pressure. She instead turned to God and asked her people to pray fervently for her. Prayer is so important in the life of a believer. It's not just a way to tell God what you need. It's a way to hear from Him and get to know Him better. Prayer can be the difference in any situation. So start there today. 
If you'd like to listen again to today's message, you'll find it at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Just click on Listen. Having access to messages from God's Word adds some great encouragement to the pauses in your day and helps to keep your focus on Him. You can also download our mobile app for Apple and Android phones to take these teachings wherever you go. Find a link at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to include you in our weekly services. Come by Thursday nights for an in-depth Bible study at 7 p.m. or on a Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. We'd love to meet you and add your voice to our time of worship. With that, our time with you has come to an end today. May God continue to bless your study of His Word, and may you grow closer to Him each day. Join us next time to continue in the book of Esther on In Spirit and Truth.